Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 45th episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I'm happy to report that I managed to avoid getting hit by other cars since episode 44. That gives us a big old one on the weeks since last major motor vehicle wreck counter up on the, the wall of our studio here. I am, uh, however, uh, still unsure of what exactly is going to happen with with my own car. Um, based on the feedback I got from the adjusters from both insurance companies I've been dealing with, it sounds like they're going to total out the, the poor Mazda 3, which kept me pretty safe considering the force of the impact, the bruise on my knees pretty much gone and my back really doesn't hurt that much anymore. Um, I don't know what I'm going to get for the Mazda, which makes it really hard to tell what I can buy to replace it. But I did go drive a number of vehicles um, that I highlighted in the game show segment last week. I definitely have a favorite right now that I'm, I'm really hoping I can afford, but I won't share that that vehicle with you just yet. What I will share, though, was a really annoying uh, series of similar occurrences at various dealerships. Uh, first is, at two dealerships, we arrived to test drive a car about an hour after the car we came to see was sold. No, uh, yes, this is why you call ahead, but we were just going dealership to dealership, so there was no assurance that a car would even be there uh, if we did do that, because we don't know how long it's going to take from location to location. Um, for one of these cars, I understand, the, the Lexus IS350 is a fine car, and they sell quickly, uh, particularly the cars equipped with the F-Sport package, which I singled out because it was supposed to be uh, a fantastic handling vehicle. Uh, those apparently always sell quick. The second one, though, which was right across the street from the Lexus dealership, it was probably selling as we were finding out we couldn't drive the IS. <laughs> Uh, this was the Infiniti FX50, which had been on the market for 90 days, according to Autolist, and it just so happened to sell out the hour before I get there to try it. Uh, fortunately, another one popped up for sale yesterday, and I was able to go test that one, though it had 111,000 miles on it, which was a lot larger than the other one. Uh, the other trend I noticed was uh, a sort of com comedy of errors electronic errors with the cars we were driving. On the Volvo V60 T6R design, the infotainment screen was completely inoperable uh, because the software had just frozen. And I mean, it, it, it was a cold day when we were out there on Saturday, but like it, it shouldn't have physically frozen and then also software frozen. On a VW GTI, the backup camera refused to deploy and then on an, an Infiniti FX35, the tailgate was completely stuck shut with the electronic release mechanism refusing to budge. Um, now, I've mentioned recently that consumer satisfaction and reliability in new cars has never been higher, but we're also seeing a level of electrical and mechanical complication in cars that has also never been higher. So while automakers have finally gotten the big things, the engine, the transmission, drivetrain, suspension, mostly right, a lot of those small electrical things keep going wrong, which is why the number of problems per 100 vehicles for nearly every car maker is above 100. There are simply so many things to get wrong, they can't get everything right every time, which is simultaneously understandable and frustrating. 
you don't pay tens of thousands of dollars um, and make the second biggest purchase decision of your life for constant electrical gremlins to keep popping up and rob you of features that you've paid to have. If you're under warranty, I mean, these problems are no big deal, but beyond that 36 or 60,000 miles, those nickels and dimes start adding up to some serious coin. In any case, I've been enjoying the hell out of my rental car. Um, could any of you guess uh, what that was from the moment of zen at the end of last week's show? Um, well, my rental car is a Chevy Camaro SS featuring the 6.2-liter V8, which I didn't know that they put in rental cars, um, which, as you can imagine, is the, the perfect vehicle for the winter weather advisory we're currently under. Um, I may speak a little more on this guy for next week's show, since apparently <laughs> I'm not going to be getting a resolution on my own car anytime soon. Uh, so what happened this week? Uh, it was the annual consumer electronics show, and as vehicles become increasingly laden with technology, uh, the show has become increasingly a car show. So uh, your top story this week is a comprehensive roundup of everything CES had to offer petrol heads. Technology company Samsung and high-end audio manufacturer Harman teamed up. Well, I say I say teamed up, but I really mean Samsung bought Harman for $8 billion last year. Uh, but they showcased a new camera system for autonomous vehicles that included safety features like collision and lane departure warning systems and adaptive cruise control. Uh, they also showed off a so-called digital cockpit um, that is basically replacing the entire dashboard of a car with a customizable screen um, that users can set so that their profile with the screen that they've designed with their own preferences comes up when they go to drive a car, which is kind of neat. Um, it's massive and cool looking, but do we really need more distracting screens in front of us in cars? They're, they're, they're kind of aiming to solve a problem that doesn't exist there. Um, a number of automakers, including Toyota, have uh, recently announced plans to integrate Amazon's Alexa into their future vehicles, but a lot of these cars already have Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. At CES, Google uh, took the opportunity to announce that the company is rolling out an update to Android Auto this week that will add Google Assistant to compete with Alexa for the title of which AI can more poorly interpret the words call mom. Um, in reality, the list of functions you'll be able to do with Google Assistant is, is pretty impressive. I mean, from sending and receiving messages via WhatsApp or text to playing music to reserving parking spots with the Spot Hero app and ordering coffee from Starbucks, all while keeping your hands safely on the wheel. Since uh, more than 400 models of car or truck already feature Android Auto compatibility, this could be a major leg up for Google in the digital co-driver assistance sort of space. Um, outside the Los Angeles or Los Angeles Las Vegas Convention Center, uh, special BMWs were outfitted by autonomous car maker Aptiv, who used to be called Delphi, if you're keeping score, and organized by Lyft. Um, they were available to shuttle CES delegates around the city to predetermined destinations. 
Um, which yes, is, it's a, a little bit cheating because users couldn't just define their own destination, but the cars still had to deal with very real traffic along the prescribed routes, and and they apparently did it without any incident, and uh, which is good news because Aptiv expects to have a level four autonomous vehicle suite available to manufacturers like the BMWs that they used for this test next year. Speaking of partnerships, NVIDIA, who make uh, graphics processors or chips for computers, um, took the opportunity of CES to announce deeper partnerships with Volkswagen and Uber. Um, with VW, uh, NVIDIA will help out with vehicle automation and AI, specifically for the ID Cross and ID Buzz vehicles that are coming in 2022. Uh, this will apparently proliferate through Volkswagen's other EVs as, as their own lineup grows. Um, that AI will also go into Uber's fleet of self-driving taxis and freight trucks, uh, where it has already been getting a bit of action in the autonomous Volvo XC90s that Uber has rolling around Pittsburgh and Phoenix and some other cities. Uber says it's already completed more than 2 million miles of autonomous driving in its test, which is pretty impressive. Uh, in addition to the raw technology on display, we also got a look at some new cars, or at least concepts. Uh, one of these concepts was the Kia Nero uh, EV concept, uh, which takes Kia's Nero compact crossover, throws out its hybrid powertrain, and swaps it for a fully electric system offering 238 miles of range, which is the exact same as the Chevy Bolt, but in a larger package. The concept is very concepty with its execution. It has a, a ton of features that will, will never make it to the final car, like some humongous screens and two-spoke steering wheel and some really crazy-looking um, uh, wheel wheels. Um, but let's be honest, if Kia gets a compact crossover EV to the market that has good range and reasonably good looks, they will just be printing money come 2020. Kia's parent company, Hyundai, meanwhile, uh, also got in on the concept car action, unveiling their Nexo flagship crossover, which is a large hydrogen fuel cell vehicle with an electric motor developing a measly 160 horsepower and almost double that in uh, foot-pounds of torque, though. Um, it's not exactly fast at uh, a 9.5 seconds 0 to 60, but it's apparently three seconds faster than Hyundai's Tucson fuel cell vehicle, and it has a range of a 370 miles, which bests nearly every pure electric vehicle on the market right now. Plus, it's a crossover, so people will actually want to buy it. Now, the only thing remaining is to figure out that whole fuel cell fillings infrastructure with stations and stuff. Um, another electric vehicle startup called Byton showed off their electric crossover at CES this year. It features what they call a coast-to-coast -coast display, uh, which is lovely that they thought enough to cover us here in, here in flyover country. Um, that screen also covers the entire dashboard, and they say it will make it into the production model, which will apparently start around forty-five grand, and will be manufactured in a plant in Nanjing, China. It will get 250 miles of range in the base model and uh, looks really nice on the outside and inside, but in a, in a really kind of plain way, it, it's uh, like a toned-down mix of a Range Rover and a Lexus RX, if you can sort of picture that in your head. If not, just Google it. 
it doesn't really have uh, an identity of its own, but it's not ugly. And the screen in the middle of the steering wheel is pretty cool. Um, it also has Alexa baked into it, so voice command should work mostly. Um, so why bother having the big screen if you have voice command? In any case, Byton, um, I will believe you can produce this car when you produce it. Uh, as we've seen with Faraday Future, the automotive industry is no stranger to vaporware. One of the neatest automotive concepts at the show, though, was Toyota's e-palette concept, which is uh, what Toyota apparently thinks the future of mobility looks like. Basically, in this future, Toyota manufactures the hardware, basically a vehicle shell that's highly customizable. It could be a delivery van, a ride-sharing like mini bus, short bus, <laughs> or mobile e-commerce platform. And uh, since it's all modular, it can even be all those things within the span of a day. Um, while Toyota provides the hardware, apparently companies are going to be the software designer for these, and they have several signed on to some sort of alliance. And this would create unique user experiences for the occupants of these vehicles or the people to whom these vehicles are delivering items. Um, it, it's a really interesting idea and could be a workable concept, especially in cities. But, I mean, for now, though, we'll just have to rely on Tony and his uh, red Toyota Avalon to come pick us up uh, when he's four blocks away. And Lyft still says it'll take him 14 minutes to get here for some reason. And then it'll change to two minutes and you'll have to rush outside. Um, anyway, that's all the major stories from CES this week. But uh, we're on the verge of the Detroit Motor Show, so stay tuned for that next week. Now, here are some headlines. This week, BMW reclaimed their Guinness World Record for longest vehicle drift, which was taken from them by the Toyota GT86 almost four years ago. To do so, BMW set their new M5 out on a skid pad and let it rip for eight straight hours. They covered a truly ridiculous 232.5 miles in that time period and required refueling. But did they stop to gas up? Hell no. BMW saddled up a second M5 with a custom fuel tank and some tech borrowed from fighter jets and performed a mid-drift refueling where the second M5 drifted alongside the first one while a technician hung out the window gassing up the record car. They blew away their old record of 51.3 miles and more than doubled Toyota's 89.6 miles and kept the rubber tires intact by continuously wetting the skid pad. Uh, the refueling videos are, are pretty incredible, so check them out if you get the time. Undoubtedly, this will drive hundreds of millionaires into BMW dealerships to purchase M5s so they can try to recreate it in their lavish, circular, private driveways. Uh, racing has been uh, kind of a, on a bummer streak lately. Uh, Formula One had the fewest passes ever this past season. Uh, the World Endurance Champion Championship keeps losing teams due to high costs. Formula E is still kind of a joke. And IMSA, uh, which is starting to look really good, is sometimes kind of hard to find on, on TV. Well, the good news is, sports fans, uh, that the World Rally Championship has launched a WRC all-live package on their WRC Plus service that will stream every single rally stage as it happens, along with ceremonies, interviews, and press conferences, among some other things. 
Uh, in total, it'll be more than 25 hours of live video coverage for every rally. Uh, it's not free, unfortunately, and at uh, $1083 per month or about $110 per year, it's not cheap either. Uh, especially considering that many of these live stages happen in the middle of the night for us here in North America. But pound for pound, rallying is some of the most exciting, entertaining racing you can watch. The only danger is that you're going to get hooked and start treating any gravel or dirt road as your own private rally stage, when in fact it's somebody's driveway and they would very much like you to get your stupid Subaru out of their bushes so they can go to work. Uh, just when we thought it was over. Just when we thought Elon Musk and Tesla could cool the hype machine and have a real conversation about the bottlenecks in production and the challenges of building a car company from the ground up. Just when a very real satellite malfunction may have cost the U.S. government billions of dollars aboard a SpaceX rocket. Just when shit was getting a little too real, Elon Musk resor resorted to what he knows best, the old rabbit in the hat trick. He tweeted this week that he's, quote, gonna put an old-school drive-in roller skates and rock restaurant at one of the new Tesla supercharger locations in L.A., end quote. And you know who will care? The same number of people showing up to Rams games in L.A. And that's nobody. That being said, there was a super cool video this week of a Tesla Model X towing a Volvo semi-truck up a snowy hill, which is just crazy to think it's capable of doing that, given its uh, max tow rating of just 5,000 pounds. Obviously, a semi weighs a lot more than that. Um, I also saw my first Model 3 on the highway yesterday morning, and it looks sort of like a cross between the egg-shaped Model X and the Svelte Model S, which is to say I didn't like it very much. Anyway, uh, Toyota and Mazda pulled their own little LeBron James stunt this week. The answer to the question everybody wants to know, what's your decision? Um, in this fall, man, this is very tough. Um, in this fall, I'm going to take my talents to Huntsville and um, join the state of Alabama. That was the conclusion you woke up with this morning. That was the conclusion I woke up with this morning. I like to think that Toyota and Mazda thought about it a little more than just this morning, but uh, Alabama is in almost no way similar to South Beach, Miami, which is probably a good thing considering companies plan on building Corollas and crossovers there and not sand castles? What, what do they build in South Beach? Failed baseball franchises? In any case, the new $1.6 billion plant will open in Huntsville, which is a charming little town I've just been to. Um, and that's about to get a lot of new manufacturing jobs to complement all the high-tech industry that's there already. Other than crossovers and compact vehicles, we don't have a whole lot of information on what Toyota and Mazda will collaborate on there. But I look forward to the chance to interview some Japanese businessmen who have all developed southern accents. A class-action lawsuit was filed this week against Ford and Bosch, alleging that emissions defeat devices were installed in diesel F-250 and F-350 trucks, causing them to produce 50 times more nitrogen oxide than legally permitted. Sound familiar? Well, Bosch was allegedly the company behind Volkswagen's diesel cheating as well, and we saw how that turned out for them. Unfortunately for Ford, half a million of these trucks have been sold from 2011 to 2017 and could be the subject of this sub lawsuit and recall. Um, in the lawsuit, the plaintiffs allege that the Ford Super Duty pickups would have been better off called the Super Dirty, 
thereby proving that lawyers are not completely devoid of humor, just completely devoid of good humor. We'll see how this plays out for Ford and if they'll be on the hook for billions like VW was when they got caught. In other stories that just won't die, uh, Takata announced this week an expansion of their airbag inflator recalls, adding 3.3 million cars to the list just in America, making this now the largest of its kind. The cars range from Audis, BMWs, Jaguars, Land Rovers, and Mercedes, all the way to Fords, Subarus, Mitsubishis, Hondas, Mazdas, and Fiat Chrysler cars. So everyone, please get these replaced if you receive notice, because they do legitimately kill people. Now, I'm less worried here about the Fiat Chrysler owners, though, because a car has to be running to hit something and have the airbag go off, and running isn't really one of the Fiat Chrysler car's strong suits. Anyway, a a Rolls-Royce dealership in London will be uh, the first location to feature the new Elysium R. The $51,500 masterpiece uh, features a near-black, pure aniline leather, an almond gold frame, and will be limited to a production run of only 18 units. Um, it's, It's also not a car, but but actually just a chair. Um, But it's a really fancy chair that neutralizes gravity, implementing flotation theory, whatever that means. Um, It it also has uh, gel-filled armrests that are supposed to mimic the quality of human skin because everyone knows that rich people love nothing more than to rest their arms on the skin of the underfolk. Um, this is apparently the product of years of research into human kinetics, which sounds an awful lot like some rich kid spent a few years sitting around and his rich dad told him to get off his ass and do something, so he made a chair. Uh, do you like driving? Are you from Turkmenistan? Are you a woman? Well, shit news, you can't drive anymore, honey. That's according to certifiably insane President Gurbanguly Berdib Mukhamedov, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sort of not sorry. Um, who this week banned all? Who last week banned all black cars because he thought they were unlucky? Um, what's his reasoning for banning women? Uh, just some good old-fashioned misogyny. Uh, naturally, he thinks that pretty much all of the car crashes in the country are caused by or because of women. So banning them from the roads entirely, in his words, rectifies the situation. The ban was actually announced in December, but it started getting implemented this week or enforced with women drivers being stopped and having their licenses and cars seized by the government. Look, I'm sure Turkmenistan isn't a shithole, but they do sure have a shithead for a president. You know you're backwards when Saudi Arabia looks more progressive than you do. In other bad news for ladies, a woman in Clearfield City, Utah, is going to be charged with a misdemeanor if she doesn't remove her nuisance vehicle. Uh, The problem is that vehicle is a 1973 Volkswagen Beetle that doesn't run. Um, Oh, and and it's in a tree. Um, Since it didn't run, the owner, Janice Zettel, uh, decided that the right thing to do wasn't to send it to the junkyard, but rather paint it like a ladybug and have it chained up in a great big old tree as a fun little whimsical effort to put smiles on the faces of children. You hear that, Clearfield City? Think of the children! She even had an arborist check it out to make sure it was safe and that the car wouldn't bring down the tree and harm anyone. 
I'm sure her neighbors love it, but hey, there are probably other houses in Clearfield City they can move to. Damn Grinches. And now let's look at some new cars. Brand new, brand new, brand new. I don't like it unless it's brand new. You might see me in my whip with my head pumping my British company Janetta unveiled this week their G650 LTP1, or G60 for short, and it's a non-hybrid race car that they intend to race in the Le Mans Prototype 1 category, which finally gives Toyota's unreliable hybrid racer at least one competitor for the upcoming season, or, well, at least part of it, because Janetta is only fielding two or maybe three cars if they can find the money, and they're only committing to a super series of eight races beginning in May. And by only eight ma- races, I mean, holy shit, this is a small British manufacturer who has somehow scrounged up the money and the pounds to compete with the world's largest auto manufacturer at arguably the highest level of motor racing. So good for Janetta, and good for us because this will be interesting to watch how it plays out. Uh, In less than 24 hours, Ford teased and then released all the details of their forthcoming Edge ST, uh, which will now not debut at the Detroit Auto Show, but instead on your computer monitors or, more likely, your iPhone screen. Uh, Clearly, their marketing department doesn't really understand the concept of building hype um, because they kind of did the same thing with their new Ford GT last year. Uh, It's arguably a bigger deal, um, They could, for once, actually take a lesson for Elon Musk on that. In any case, Ford's prior ST cars include the Focus and Fiesta, which were fast, nimble little hatchbacks that were available only in a manual transmission uh, form for real driving purists. And they were apparently really great fun. Well, uh, Ford has decided that crossover enthusiasts who never learned to drive a stick uh, deserve to have fun, too, because they've basically taken the Ford Edge Sport and given it more sport. And it's now pumping out uh, uh, from its 2.7-liter EcoBoost four-cylinder up to 335 horsepower and 350 foot-pounds of torque routed through all four wheels. Um, It looks and sounds like it will probably drive a lot like a lifted WRX wagon, uh, which is not a bad thing, so I'm actually on board with this idea. Yes, I know I generally oppose the concept of crossovers, but... They don't have to be boring and bad, and, and, and kudos for Ford to trying to raise the bar that Infinity set with their FX. Um, so that uh, brings us to the end of the, this week's show. Uh, for this week's call to action, I wanted to highlight a video that went uh, a, little, a little viral this week. It's um, a Japanese Twitter user whose five-year-old daughter is an absolute Gran Turismo beast. Um, She has a whole driving simulator set up, and along with her cat, who likes to observe from atop the television, she carves up courses better than I can now, let alone I could at five years old. And apparently she's been doing it since she was three, so, you know, most of her life, or half of her life. Um, There's not a, a whole lot of moral to this story, per se, but I just think it goes to show you that, that cars and driving and enjoying motorsports aren't, aren't just a, an, a guy thing or an old guy thing. And I really applaud these parents for embracing their daughter's passion rather than sort of shoehorning her into some sort of traditional gender role. So uh, for you guys this week, uh, just, just don't shoehorn anyone, physically or metaphorically. Shoehorns hurt. Um, So thank you for listening, and and thanks to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song. 
Now, we didn't really have any real new fun cars to hear from this week, so instead, here's a reminder to check out that World Rally Championship subscription. Here, friends, is your moment of zen. Thank <laughs> you.